Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Last weekend, we heard that the governor of New Mexico decreed the possession of firearms to be illegal. And don't give me that, but there were some restrictions on what they would. No, 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 no. That's all that matters. Now, I know there's nuance to what the order was. The order issued by the by the New Mexico governor was that within certain jurisdictions with certain amounts of crime and, and it's only for 30 days and it's a public health emergency. So I have the right to do this. And oh, boy, did this one blow up in her face. Now, ultimately, what's happened after the fact has been a really good thing which in many ways is a stabilizing force in these trying times. What did we see? Democrats angry, liberal gun control advocates like David Hogg saying no way to this. David Hogg actually said there's no public health exemption to the Constitution. And everyone's like, wait, what? I'd like to introduce you to COVID, good sir. But hey, props David Hogg for saying this ain't the way to do it. Protesters showed up open carrying weapons. The sheriff And the DA said, we will not enforce and prosecute this unconstitutional order. The governor's gone rogue. Whatever she thought was going to happen, oh boy, did it not play out the way she wanted. But my friends, there's a lot of good that can come from this in showing that we the people stand defiant of tyrants. And we don't have to worry about conflict, crisis, blood, violence, civil war in these circumstances because our culture is steadfast. Our, our law enforcement apparatus would not allow it. The police, the DA, and the people would not allow it. And I am happy to see that there is no conflict arising from this, that overwhelmingly everyone agrees you cannot, by decree, suspend the New Mexico state constitution, more importantly, the federal constitutional rights that we all have. I want to clarify, the right to keep and bear arms is a God-given right. And the Constitution only stops the government from intervening or interfering with your rights. But there is still some fear. There is still some risk. But I want to make sure I clarify, I think overwhelmingly it's a massive net positive because we've basically won. The governor has proved herself impotent and weak. But that is a potential negative. The good news is whenever governments come come out across as weak and they can't do anything, We're typically happy about it, right? Not necessarily. The good news is this goes in a better direction. Right now in Portland, 
we're learning that Nike is shutting down its flagship store. Why? Well, they requested special police to do all the crime and the police said no. And they said, we out. Now the city is crying, saying, but without the Nike flagship store, the, 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 it's a massive economic hit to all the local. Well, yeah, well, that's too bad because the government is impotent. Saw a video earlier of a woman loading up her vehicle with groceries as employees just film. Nothing you can do about it. There's another video. A woman in a liquor store who's pregnant is stealing liquor. I think she's in a supermarket or something. She leaves and the police arrive. The police step in front of her vehicle and order her out. She accelerates her car into a police officer who opens fire in self-defense, killing her. This is fascinating. The conflict that we are seeing arise out of all of this. You have rampant crime and looting to the point where Portland is begging Nike to stay, but won't give them security detail. The government is viewed as impotent. Then when police actually stop one of these mass shoplifters and, and the shoplifter tries to kill the cop, there's outrage and protests over what the police did. This is the, this is the conflict that we're facing with the cult left psychotic behavior. Listen, rigid order can be very bad, but order is not bad. If we're going to entertain the idea that people are allowed to take whatever they want and we can do nothing about it, then everything breaks down. And without property rights, what do you really have? People eventually come and take your stuff and there's nothing you can do to stop them. And that's what we've seen so often. The Ahmed Arbery case is a good example. So here's what I will say. When the government cannot take your weapons from you, it's a good thing. And the governor being proven to be impotent here is a good thing. But think about what the governor tried to do in New Mexico. Not only are they not prosecuting crime across the country, you know, and, and I'm hearing from friends that what we're seeing with these mass shoplifting, the, the, these, these gangs, the RICO, whatever you want to call it, it's happening all over the country, even on the East Coast. In North Carolina, we're hearing stories of this. Because what can the government do to stop the crime? Now, if people were empowered to protect themselves and defend themselves, these things would not be happening. But right now, culturally, it is deemed unacceptable to defend private property with a firearm. That is to say, with varying reasons, you know, with, 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 like it, it depends on how much uh, there's a threat to life. But typically, if someone is stealing a bottle of booze, you don't shoot them. And this is where the conflict arises with the woman who was shoplifting in the grocery store. Well, why did the police kill her? Well, well, she tried to kill the cop, right? So there's a big difference. He didn't shoot her over a bottle of liquor. He shot her because she tried to run him over. And I'm, I'm sorry, like, you want to play a game of chicken with an, with an armed man in your vehicle running him over? What do you think is going to happen? So here's what I mean to say with all of this in this intro. The good news is we won or we're winning. The bad news is, first, it's bad the governor even tried to do this with his executive decree. And there is something bad in the government with the governor trying to do this, the government being viewed as impotent and incapable of actually enforcing its own orders. Because the concern we have right now is we want the government to be to, to have integrity. I know it's a hard thing to, to expect, right? We want cops to have accountability, but to stop crime. If the governor is trying to make law-abiding citizens into criminals. While we're getting stories of mass criminals being let go, it is not a good sign of the times to come, is what I mean to say. But let me talk about the good news and where we're currently at. The good news is you've got calls for impeachment. 
You've got liberals speaking out. You've got people actively defying the order. And while, you know, it's really funny because I was just talking last week about how the Second Amendment is being emboldened and strengthened. And for some reason, you've got these conservative, libertarian, right-leaning individuals who desperately want to be losers. I do not understand this. You get people who are saying like, Tim, it's too blackpilling to hear what you have to say. All the politics is. And then they're like, we're losing our gun rights. And I'm like, have you looked at a constitutional carry map? We're entering 27 states that are constitutional carry. New Mexico, even right now, is is permitless open carry. This is unprecedented. Well, I I shouldn't say unprecedented. We did have. okay. so these rulings are modeled off of what the Constitution was supposed to be. But we had a greater period of gun rights being suspended in the 80s. Look at the maps. Almost every state was what's called shall issue or no issue, meaning, oh, you can try to get a permit for a gun, but ain't going to give you one. It's crazy to think you could not have a gun. And the funny thing is, growing up in Chicago, I knew people had guns. And it was, it's weird to look at these laws now, mostly for handguns, like rifles were a different story. People have had guns for a long time. But in the past 20 years, the country has gone from shall issue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant to say may issue, may issue, not shall. Shall issue. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, what is it? Shall issue means if you apply, they cannot deny you for arbitrary reasons. You can get your permit. And then may issue is you get denied for arbitrary reasons. Let me clarify. I think I, I, think I misspoke. You look at these maps today and Wikipedia labels them as unrestricted. In West Virginia, where I live, I walk into the gun store. I say, I would like to purchase this, this firearm, good sir. They say, just fill out your standard background check form for the federal government. It takes 10, 15 minutes. They actively check and they say, you're good. And then eventually, you know, they, they're, they're tracking you. Don't get me wrong. And a lot of people don't like this. But there are, there, are, there are things you can do for more of a, if you, if you get a concealed carry permit, then you don't have to go through the federal background check over and over again, because the concealed carry permit is a very extensive background check. And they, and you know, so that, so they, they, they track that uh, to a certain degree. But my point is this, you've got people uh, on Friday saying, ha ha, Tim's eating his words, saying the second amendment was winning, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it is, it is. We get one tyrant trying to ban guns and look what happens. Victory. Or at the very least, we're, we're basically looking at victory. We are standing up for our rights and pushing back, and we are winning across the board. The reason for things like this, the reason the governor does, the, d- does this, I think Democrats are desperately trying to provoke a violent reaction from the right, from libertarians and post-liberals, because they need a media narrative entering 2024. It's why J6ers are getting raided at their homes with rifles pointed at their faces and their wives. There was a video of a guy getting arrested and they're pointing rifles at his family because they want a violent, re- don't, a violent reaction. Don't give it to him. Anybody who is calling for violence or escalation is a fed, 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 just like everybody was saying this about Ray Epps, fed, 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 because he was telling people to storm the Capitol. No, 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 none of that. And it's, it's remarkable to me that there are people who still don't get it. But we are looking at victory. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. 
This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You look at the rise of the parallel economy. You look at the strength of shows like Timcast. You look at Bud Light, Target, Sound of, Sound of Freedom, Rich Men North of Richmond. We're now talking about creating anti-Times Square. That's right. We're going to do Cousin T's Diner, Terrence Williams. We're going to do Papa Jack Pizza Shack. That's Jack Pesopic. We got Casper Coffee Shop coming up. I'm hoping that we can create a communal hub all over the place. But we'll create that anti-Times Square. Why? Because we are winning. We are, we are defying ESG. We are defying this corporate garbage. And when the tyrants come out and say, no guns for you, we say, sorry, lady, you lose. And guess what? She did. All right. I know. I know. Now, this is a long opening, but I'm really excited as to how this all played out. Let me read you the news. On September 9th, New Mexico Republican legislatures called for Democrat Grisham's impeachment after gun order saying she's gone rogue. I think she should be arrested. Uh, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. the process. You impeach her and then you bring criminal charges. But defying, or I'm sorry, uh, 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 denying constitutional rights by an elected official is a crime. And this, I think she should get arrested. We cannot, we cannot just stop at the point where we say, hey, you, you, you can't do that. We, we're not going to listen. No, because all that happens is erosion. And this is the point I'm trying to make. Uh, earlier on, is that even though we win across the board with things like this, the fact the governor even tried to do it needs to be repudiated. So when the governor says, I'm going to issue an executive order, what's the worst case scenario she's thinking? I'll try. We'll see what happens. No way. Criminal charges. Eh, what does she get? She'll slap on her wrist. She gets impeached. She gets convicted. She gets removed. And then she gets like a three month probation. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that we block her in prison over trying to do this, but maybe, maybe, maybe when someone tries to strip human rights, we say, look, stealing a bottle of liquor is one thing. Trying to deprive people of their constitutional rights. That's another. But, but what's the real penalty there? Maybe like a year. I don't know. I think house arrest, a politician, she's, you know, she's removed from power. The problem is solved. We set an example. We say, Tyrants who try to strip our rights away in defiance of the Constitution, the state Constitution and our laws will be held accountable. That's what must be done. Impeachment, conviction, criminal proceedings. Elon Musk agrees. This one was uh, a bit shocking to me because I just tweeted. There's a press conference where she's like, I am I have the power to do this. And Elon and I said she should be arrested immediately. And Elon Musk said yes on Twitter. And that sparked a, a big wave of people being like, whoa. Because, you know, Elon Musk, the big culture warrior, people, people take what he says. He's got a big fund. He's got 100 plus million. What, he got 150 million followers, right? So let's go through some of this news. Here's, here's what I want to give a shout out to all of our good friends, all of our friends in New Mexico. You guys are heroes. You are champions. Gun owners rally in Old Town to protest the public health order. And uh, let me show you this from uh, Ford Fisher. 
Gun owners, many visibly armed, rallied in Old Town Albuquerque today to openly defy the New Mexico governor's executive order banning open and concealed carry under of, of firearms. Police did not intervene or enforce the orders. Because we agree. The governor has no right to do this. But I'll tell you what scares me. What scares me is that the police could have. They could have. And that's that's what worried me is that I said last night, many of these cops with smiles on their faces will just say, I don't care. There was a big story about the sheriff saying he wouldn't enforce it, but that's not actually what he said. The sheriff said that they were concerned, concerned about it and that they agree with gun safety and all that stuff. But, you know, they have to follow the Constitution. And many people responded saying, what does this mean? Are you saying you're not going to enforce it? So let me clarify. The sheriff spoke out against it. I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong. I think I misspoke. Got too excited. The, uh, the, there, there's two views on this. <clears throat> One is being reported the sheriff will not enforce it, said he wouldn't enforce it. But many are criticizing it, saying it was like a tepid statement about, you know, whether he would or wouldn't. Liberals turn on New Mexico governor over gun suspension, saying it violates the U.S. Constitution. Liberals. Wow. Ted Cruz expressed shock over agreeing with Ted Lieu on the gun control issue. I don't know if they have the, uh, yeah, here you go. David Hogg. He said, I support gun safety, but there is no such thing as a state public health emergency exception to the U.S. Constitution. Good, sir, David Hogg. Can I uh, reintroduce you as I did earlier to COVID? When they shut down churches, suspended people's right to protest, shut down businesses, and uh, yeah, all under the public health emergency exception. We knew this was coming. With COVID and many people just complying we knew it was only a matter of time before someone tried something like this. But I'm, I'm happy to see that it's not working anymore. They're going to mention Ted Lieu as well. I think it's because they know they lose. When you get a governor decreeing a constitutional right is suspended, or I shouldn't say suspended, I mean, because they're God-given rights. But when a constitutionally protected right is no longer protected, people get scared. Because if they do this, they'll do anything. But we got a, we got we got good news. New Mexico sheriff refuses to enforce governor's ban on carrying guns as it's unconstitutional. Now, th- this is what I was this was referring to is a, a little wishy washy. He said today, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham issued an emergency temp, uh, order, blah, blah, blah. He says the move has been positioned as a response to the alarming tragic rise of, of uh, shootings. While I understand and appreciate the urgency, the temporary ban challenges the foundation of the Constitution. I am wary of placing my deputies in positions that could lead to civil li- liability conflicts as well as the potential risks posed by prohibiting law-abiding citizens from their constitutional right to self-defense. He says, I was elected to represent and safeguard all constituents and to ensure the balance between our rights and public safety is maintained. That means we must critically evaluate any proposed solution that deep to the deeply rooted issue of gun violence, ensuring we both protect our community and uphold the values that define us as a nation. Allen listed seven initiatives, blah, 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 blah. Wow, this is crazy. And Grisham tweeted this. I didn't believe it. I got to tell you guys, when uh, if you watched IRL, we had uh, Brandon Herrera, the AK guy. Right before the show starts, he goes, the governor of New Mexico just banned guns, uh, open and concealed carry. And I was like, what? No. And he was, yeah, pu- public order. And I was like, no way. I can't. I do not believe that. I looked it up and all of the stories just said public health emergency. And I looked at it and there was nothing, nothing uh, prescriptive. It just said, there's an emergency. And I said, OK, I don't see anything here. He then pulls it up, the Santa Fe New Mexican saying outright, she did this. And I was like, wow. It's scary, man. 
you know, as per usual, I was at the poker tables last night. Had a pretty good night. Hit a king high straight flush. I'm very happy about that. That's the best I've ever had in live poker. I've had a royal royal flush in uh, online poker, but that's stupid. Live, it's more fun. You know, everyone's like staring at the board. You're but there was a dude who asked me, you know, how things were going with news. And I said, dude, governor of New Mexico decrees guns illegal to possess. I mean, that's that's scary stuff. This is this is like people need to understand it with a country this divided and, and the political uh, violence that we've seen. It is very, very dangerous for for an executive to do something like that. Lexington and Concord. The Redcoats tried to seize the weapons from from like local farmers. It's funny because people say militia, but dude, militia doesn't mean what people today. People think militia and there's like a bunch of dudes who are like paramilitary. No, 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 no. Militia was like a handful. It's like neighborhood watch. A handful of farmers said, here's we got a bunch of guns stocked up. If something bad happens, we rally. And so the Redcoats came out and they were like, we're going to take your guns away. And that starts the American Revolution a year and a couple months before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It is not not smart for this person to do this. And so it's scary. I'm talking to this guy. And then I said, and then we learned that a grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia, voted to indict three members of the of the Senate for the same reasons as Donald Trump. Now, a lot of people have said that, uh, you know, the the um, prosecutor, Fannie Willis, just like isn't going to do it. And I'm like, yet. The scary reality is the grand jury said to do it. And Fannie Willis may be waiting to drop the charges against sitting members of the Senate in the 2024 election cycle. And then what about all of the members of the House? Because they did the same thing. Here's the breakdown, my friends, and here's what scares me. If Fannie Willis does not indict Loeffler, Purdue, and Lindsey Graham, it shows that this is purely political. That even though the grand jury says the, the preponderance of evidence suggests an indictment of all of these individuals, she went, yeah, but not these three, not these ones. But why? Why Jenna Ellis? Why Trump's legal counsel, who is just providing him uh, legal advice? Why is that person being criminally indicted under RICO charges, but not the people who actively participated, as the grand jury said? Because it's a political play. And that's what scares me. And I'm just like, dude, telling this guy, I'm like, he, he, he was telling me, he's like, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's getting crazier than I ever thought possible. And that's the scary reality of where we're at. I wonder what people, I, I, the time travel test, man, what would people have said if you told them five years ago that not only would Donald Trump be indicted on 94 counts in multiple states, thousands, a thousand plus of his supporters would be targeted by federal raids across the country and a grand jury would vote to indict three sitting members of the Senate. People would say, you are insane. Can I repeat that for you guys? A grand jury in Fulton County voted to indict three sitting members of the Senate. Take for it what you will. It ain't a pretty thought because we're either dealing with an incompetent government that is grasping for more and more power, regardless of what they're allowed to, open defiance of the government in, from the positive to the negative. I want to say, I think we're going to win, but the night is always darkest before the dawn. And that means if we're looking at the fourth turning Strasshow generational theory, the darkness has not come yet. But I don't appreciate, I do not like the people who say that it's, it's a black pill. No, black pill would be me saying the darkness will come and we, were, we, and we, will, never, we will never overcome. Of course not. There's always darkness. Your life is beset by challenges. 
You were never to be granted an easy walk through life. In fact, for all of us millennials, we grew up in a golden age, golden age where we ignored the conflict around us. We ate delicious pizza from brothers or bocce's. I'm from I've lived in Chicago, uh, grew up in Chicago and lived in New York. So those are those are the pizza places I'm familiar with. Giordano's brothers, the big one in New York. And uh, for a buck, for one dollar, you get that big old slice in New York City or bocce's is, is Chicago. I don't know if they're still around. I haven't been there in a long time, 10 years. But uh, five bucks, you get this big slice of pizza, bigger than your head. We grew up in, in, in the glory days. Crime was going down. Cell phones, the internet, video games, leisures and pleasures. I see all these videos of childless women on boats being like, I travel the world and I have not a care. It's like, yeah, because there's no more predators, because there's no more threats. We can just bask in the glory of what our parents had built for us. But like all good dreams, they come to an end when you wake up. And it was never going to be this way. The world's natural state is competition and conflict. You take a look at animals in nature. It's unfair. It's brutal. But those that are most brutal get rewarded when the animal, when the, when the, when the, when the um, ambush predator leaps out and just rips to shreds the deer. And the deer is still alive, struggling to get away while it's being eaten. It's horrifying. I saw this post. I think it was on Reddit. And it, said, it, was, it was basically saying this, that uh, in fact, the most brutal are often rewarded. And a lot of people wish it were not true. But it is. It was a video of, um, I think it was like a wildebeest or something being eaten by hyena. And it was being eaten alive. It was trying to get up and get away while it was being disemboweled. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. That's the reality of nature. But we have built and enshrined this barrier around human life so that we can enjoy life's pleasures and avoid its ills. And unfortunately, that's fleeting. So what I mean to say is, for only so long, you can revel in the accomplishments and luxuries of your ancestors, of those who came before you. And eventually, when you forget what made the country and the world safe and fun, those things begin to break down and people ask questions. Why do we have these rules? These rules that encumber me. I want them gone. Well, those rules helped keep you alive and helped make your children safe. And now as things start to break down, the night becomes dark. But it comes and goes in waves. And just because things are getting bad doesn't mean we will not overcome and find the beauty once more. So it's not a black pill, my friends. It is simply your duty. It is simply the, the nature of reality that when you forego your civic responsibilities for too long, you get conflict.
And so as we step into this brave new world, I need only say that it's going to get better than it's ever been. As technology improves, everything's just so much better with air conditioning, with clean running water, with uh, just, you know, the ubiquity of communications and the advancement of video games and AI. They bring a lot of great things. Neuralink. We don't have to always focus on the negative. Neuralink means that the, the deaf can hear, the lame can walk, the dumb can speak, the blind can see. It's awesome. But it also means there are negatives we have to avoid. And we're going to have to, we have to deal with those negatives. When the night gets dark, we'll have to fend off the predators. But the day will come. There are seasons. It's amazing how everything works, isn't it? Come winter, it's the darkness. It's barely light out. It's always dark. These are, these are the northern hemisphere tropes that we've created. But in this period of darkness, it's scary. Food is hard to come by. Animals lurk, desperate. And we are uh, struggling to make it through the winter. Our food stores deplete. We hunt, but animals become desperate. Now we're fighting off more predators. But then through all of that conflict, spring does arrive. And now there is fruit as far as the eye can see. Well, not necessarily in spring. A little bit. But come the beginning of summer, we start to see fruits and berries and then to fall all the sweet, delicious food that you can eat as far as the eye can see. I mean, you're not going to live off the pawpaw out here or the frost grapes or the, uh, the wine berries and the wild blackberries, but it's a lot. And you got spring chickens and uh, that's what we need to look forward to. So uh, suffice it to say, looking at all of this, I see that winter is coming. That's the way I put it, whether it's civil war, civil strife, whatever, World War III. I think it's fair to say to anybody who's paying attention, things are getting scary. But it doesn't mean the world ends. It doesn't mean the apocalypse. It just means that conflict happens. And what would the world be without competition and conflict? So I'm happy to see this. I'm happy to see the victories. Even David Hogg coming out. I'm happy to see that the government is proving itself impotent in so many ways. But I think for all of you, understand that things, things can make it worse in a lot of ways. But getting worse is relative. Well, well I'll put it this way. As I often say, you have a, a poor person today has better dental care than Rockefeller did. Just because things get worse doesn't mean they're bad. And if you've never experienced true hardship, you may think things are, are bad. But I always think about it like this. I had this realization when I was a lot younger. So much is given to us. The roads we walk on, the water we drink, man, the safety we all take for granted. And I just thought to myself, if you are, I'll put it this way, if you are buck naked in the middle of the woods, that's zero. That's, that's baseline. From there, you must build to survive. If you're buck naked in the middle of the woods and you're holding a pointy stick, you are plus one. You actually have a tool. You have a resource. Now you're in the middle of the woods. You have clothes. You have a backpack. You have two pointy sticks. You're actually doing fairly well. But you are still struggling. You are still trying to uh, run on that treadmill to get ahead. Today, we have so much more than this. Wild animals fear our cities. Police are, are everywhere. And while things do get bad, you don't live in the wilderness. That doesn't mean that we don't lament the loss of what our uh, ancestors built for us. It just means keep it relative. Truly bad? No, people don't understand truly bad. Talk to Michael Malice. You know, he wrote, he, 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 he's, he wrote the book, The White Pill. 
uh, released recently, he was talking, he, he was telling me, you know, people truly don't understand how bad it could get. They don't. They don't. And they'll say like, oh, communism is bad. They do not get it. They don't get how bad it really, really can be. People don't understand what civil war is. They don't know. They think it's, and this is laughable. They think it's two factions signing decrees and saying, well, I hereby declare. No, there was a post, I think it was Martyr Made, was tweeting about it. And he was saying something like, civil war is going to sleep and waking up to hear the news that your best friend was shot in the head last night. And I'll add to it, civil war is you going to bed and not waking up. Because either a roving band of raiders or special operations decided to excise you from the area to gain control of it for some reason. I'm not saying you're a combatant at all. Civil war is an armed faction knowing that this neighborhood is either loyalists or rebels and saying this house is needed as a base of operations. And there's no conflict in your neighborhood. You only hear about everything on the news. But then one day you go to bed, you wake up and your family's tied up and they're using your house. It is worse than people realize. It is walking down the street and then someone getting scared because you're wearing a large coat and just shooting you. This is what people need to understand. It is not going to be people marching down the street and saying, ready, take aim. It is going to be bedlam. We do not want that. That's bad. So that's why I say this is good news when the people stand united. And it's, it's, it's fascinating to see that even the left and the right are in total agreement on this one across the board. If we can get more of this, I think we'll be OK. We'll see how things play out in 2024, though. I am worried. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I can't really say I'm surprised, but I don't know, kind of, I guess. Biden comes first president to skip major 9-11 ceremonies and mark anniversary in Alaska 4,300 miles away instead. VP Kamala Harris attends Ground Zero in New York City with Rudy Giuliani and Ron DeSantis. It's amazing. I do not see how Joe Biden wins in 2024. I, I can't see him running. This is insane. Joe Biden today, 9-11, never forget. Our hearts go out to all the people who lost their lives, who were negatively effective, affected, sorry, is a horrifying day in American history. And there's a lot that people think about it. For instance, 9-11 uh, is trending, never forget is trending, and World Trade Center 7 is trending. A lot of people are very upset, obviously. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, skipped the 9-11 uh, uh, event. He went to Alaska instead. Kamala Harris went to New York for him. How, how does someone who cares so little about this country expect to win? And I have to wonder, maybe the intention is that he's not going to. They don't think he's going to. And maybe the issue is Kamala Harris is going to take over and take over very soon. Because we just saw this news in the past week. This is from a day ago. Kamala Harris says she's prepared to serve as president if necessary. Vice president dismisses opponents attacks that president is too old to seek out a second term and says he's going to be fine. Obviously not. The New York Post reports Biden spends 9-11 far from terrorist attack sites with Alaska trip as Harris visits ground zero instead. They say, President Biden will spend September 11th far from the sites of the terror attacks that claim the lives of 2,996 Americans 22 years ago, opting instead 
to send his vice president to the ceremony at Ground Zero on Monday. Vice President Kamala Harris flew Air Force Two to New York City to honor the victims of the 2001 attacks at the national September 11th Memorial Plaza. Well, Biden plans to commemorate at commemorate it at a military base in Anchorage, Alaska. I want to point this out too. what everyone needs to understand about what this election will be 22 years ago. This means there are many voters entering the voting block who were born after 9-11. I mean, that happened obviously a few years ago, but now with 22 years, we're going to be looking at a decent amount of young people who were born after that happened and don't know anything about it. Let's be real. To those that were only a few years old at the time, you might be 25, 26, 27, 28. I mean, let's be real. If you're 30, that's really interesting. You're eight years old when this happens. A little bit more cognizant of what it could mean and what's happening, but probably not a whole lot. If you are seven or younger, did any of this really matter to you? I mean, I'm sure it does to a certain degree, but I don't think it's as profound as those of us who were teenagers or older. I think I, I was 14, so it was it was fairly impactful. I'd already, I already had a job working for, for my family's business and watched this happen on TV. But that's that's something to consider what that could mean, because the world changed that day. And if you were someone who experienced public life, flying on airplanes, traveling around, um, riding on trains, you know, you understood the change that happened after it happened. Biden 80 left Vietnam Monday morning, but will not make it to the sites where the hijackers flew planes in New York's World Trade Center, the Pentagon in D.C., or the site where Flight 93 crashed. The president will instead deliver remarks to service members, first responders, and their families at Joint Base Elmendorf Richardson, which is typically used as a refueling stop for Air Force One on return journeys. I just, I'm going to go right into it. They, they, they don't care. And maybe that's the point. Or maybe it's not the point. But either way, the, the social structures that we expect are eroding. Why is Joe Biden stopping at this base? Well, I think it's obvious. It's just a refueling stop. And they said, might as well say something, I guess. Now, some may say, yeah, but he was in Vietnam. What was he supposed to do? Not plan a trip that meant he could not be at the 9-11 memorial? They don't care. They don't care with everything happening around us. And I am not surprised they don't care. Biden earlier in the day visited the John Sidney McCain III, the third memorial in Hanoi to honor the late U.S. senator. His staff also placed a 9-11 memorial installation on the north portico of the executive mansion early Monday. But no ceremony is scheduled for the president as he returns to D.C. later this evening. I say unacceptable. Un- 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 unacceptable. I'm sorry, man. Look, I know everybody's on Twitter. They're all fighting. And you got a lot of people tweeting about World Trade Center 7. We all know about World Trade Center 7, don't we? This is about unity, the United States, and us coming together to mourn those who died. Whatever your view on 9-11 is, we learned recently Vivek Ramaswamy brought this up, that Saudis were, uh, uh, there was was some Saudi individuals involved and the information actually wasn't released until recently. So I'll put it this way. On this day of mourning and remembrance, it's important to realize that for better or for worse, you do not have the truth about 9-11. And I'm talking to literally everyone. 
The corporate mainstream establishment will say that the truth is as described, the NIST report, all of that. The conspiracy theorists will say a whole lot about George W. Bush and the project for a new American century. And I say to all of you, I think certainly some people may be more right than others, but you don't have the truth and it's for better or for worse. But let me explain. It would be ignorant, naive. If you believe the government came out, the United States, and said, here's exactly how we were attacked, how they bypassed our security and hit the Pentagon. Yeah. So a lot of people don't like the story. I mean, there's the uh, a few frames that were released thanks to, to Judicial Watch showing the, the striking of the Pentagon. Many say it clear. I don't think it shows a plane. I'm not saying no plane hit. The, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying I, I, I look at this video and I'm like, I, I can't see anything, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. But there are many people who think it's a conspiracy and it's an inside job or whatever. And my answer is just the Pentagon got hit. There's no way the DOD, the U.S. government comes out and says, hello, world. Here's how we got attacked successfully. Never going to happen. We deal with security here at Timcast. And there's a lot of people like, what happened with this? And I'm like, we're never going to say because we're not going to expose how people uh, uh, committed crimes against us because we don't want to expose security. So it would be stupid and insane to think that the government was going to just tell you exactly how it all went down. But that doesn't mean it was a grand conspiracy. Sorry, guys. You know, a lot of people talk about World Trade Center 7. And the reason is the video shows it crumple in the center and then fall straight down. And most people don't even know that if you ask them, three buildings collapsed on on, uh, 9-11. World Trade Centers 1, 2, and 7. Now, Seven's fall is strange because it wasn't hit by a plane. And the official report is that fires started due to falling debris. And then I think it was like what propane gas tanks started bursting and it destroyed a lot of the the support columns, resulting in a a collapse, which is shocking. It's never happened before. But a lot of people have very uh, um, legitimate questions about this. But it is what it is. I'm only saying this. I'm not here to entertain any theory or idea other than no one knows the truth. Because it would be insane to think the government's going to tell you how we got attacked. I'll just put it at that. But let's carry on with the politics of the space. It's interesting that just the other day we learned Kamala Harris say that she's preparing to serve as president. And now she's the one at the 9-11 memorial. Could it be that they know Joe Biden is not long for this position? And thus they they need to put Kamala Harris in prominent situations so she becomes more recognizable. I don't think it'll work, but here's the story. Kamala Harris on Sunday declared herself ready to assume the presidency if it ever behooved her to do so. But she also made it a point to dismiss opponents' political attacks that Joe Biden is too old to seek a second term. Asked on CBS's Face the Nation whether she was prepared to serve as commander in chief in case Biden became unable to carry out his duties, Harris said, yes, I am, if necessary. But Joe Biden is going to be fine. And let me tell you something. I work with Joe Biden every day. No, I completely disagree. There's a big story right now where apparently Joe Biden starts rambling about dog faced pony soldiers and they're like, all right, all right, slow down there, old man. And they just shut him down. He may not be having any Mitch McConnell moments, but spare me, dude. Nobody thinks Joe Biden is is I say nobody. I mean, most people. Most people reject the idea that he can keep doing this job. Most Democrats want someone younger. So, yeah, no, not interested. Harris, who would become the first woman to serve as U.S. vice uh, U.S. president if Biden could not complete uh, an elected term, told Face the Nation host Margaret Brennan that it would not be a novel experience for her to make history in such a fashion. 
She alluded to how she was the first woman elected as district attorney of San Francisco and as general uh, attorney general of California. Let's just stop and reflect on how things are going over in California right now. She may be the first woman, but uh, I'm not sure the state of California is something she wants to brag about. As a U.S. senator for California, I represent one in eight Americans before becoming the country's first ever female vice president. Listen, this is not new. There's nothing new about that. Harris's defense of her qualifications and of Biden's vitality come as Republicans attack the incumbent 80-year-old Democratic president's age. To be fair, Donald Trump is also nearing his 80s. So yeah, they're all old. But many people are wondering who is going to be the president. Uh, 2024, will Trump win? Will Biden win? If it is Biden running, is it going to be Kamala as VP? And does it really even make sense? Well, my friends, we have this from TimCast.com. Newsom denies speculation he will enter 2024 race, insists Harris is Biden's successor. The California governor said he and the vice president had an extraordinarily close working relationship. Yeah. California Governor Gavin Newsom insisted Vice President Kamala Harris would succeed President Joe Biden as the Democratic frontrunner in the 2024 presidential election should the president end or be unable to continue. The California governor also denied any speculation he may enter the 2024 presidential race. How do you get Kamala Harris out of the way? Newsom's better than Harris. Not by a whole lot. California ain't doing all too well. But if we're talking about playing politics and looking at polls and all that, I don't see Kamala Harris as being it's not a possibility. No one's going to vote for her. It's bad enough. You got Joe Biden. But I think most people who voted Biden Harris were just voting against Trump this time around. I think Trump has improved quite a bit. And this suggests that they're going to need Gavin Newsom. Kamala Harris ain't going to pull it off. Take a look at this from 538. Let's grab the latest polls. And right now, it looks neck and neck. We've got polls ending September 5th. And we can see that Trump wins one. Biden wins one. Trump wins one. Biden, uh, I'm sorry, Biden is, yeah, Biden is losing two to three. In three out of the five polls, Trump is ahead and by a lot, four points, six points, five points. When Biden does do well in the polls, he's only up by two points. We go back to, uh, and, and these are premise. This is a uh, change research and then four uh, uh, polls from premise. We then have some September 4th, Redfield and Wilton Strategies and Morning Consult. Redfield, both polls have Trump up, winning by 1.2 points. Morning Consult, with more voters, has Biden winning by five and three points. But when we go back to August 31st, Biden loses to everybody. He loses to Trump. He ties with DeSantis. He loses to Christie. He beats Ramaswamy. I don't believe that. He loses to Scott Pence, Haley, and Trump and, and the rest of these polls. I think you take a look at the data right now. And it is fair, especially when you look at CNN. Joe Biden is not favored to win. Now, I don't know what this means for Kamala Harris. I mean, it's entirely possible that uh, uh, these polls are, are going to be meaningless. Joe Biden will be forced to bow out. Kamala Harris will take a, a, a lead role in a lot of efforts like we're already seeing now with 9-11. Joe Biden's in the background doing what basically a VP does, traveling and giving speeches while the president goes to the 9-11 memorial to address the nation. But they got Kamala Harris doing it right after she said, I am ready to take this job. Could Joe Biden be on the way out? Perhaps. But here's predicted. I find this one very, very funny. 
I don't know, man. The prediction markets have Donald Trump at 31 cents to Joe Biden's 43 cents. You then got Ron DeSantis with 10 cents, Gavin Newsom with seven, Vivek Ramaswamy with six, and Kamala Harris with four. Here's what's fascinating. The prediction market thinks Biden's going to win. I think that's crazy. Kamala Harris is losing to Vivek Newsom and DeSantis. So if Joe Biden bows out, the prediction markets will have four different Republicans as the front runner, not even the vice president herself. Now, I love this one from CNN Politics. Trump is explaining exactly how wild and extreme his second term would be. Oh, how wild and extreme it will be. I'm here for it, baby. We sold a bunch of those revenge shirts. If you haven't seen it, go to TimCast.com, click store. And uh, you know what? Actually, I'll just do this. I will go there and show you because we sold a whole bunch of these ones. The the Trump revenge image. And uh, I want to make sure it's very, very clear for all of you. These are all uh, the revenge stickers and shirts and sweaters. The image is free to use. We do not own the rights to it. It is art imitating the Obama hope poster. We posted the, uh, the file on Twitter. I said, by all means, anyone can use it for anything they want. We are not doing this because we, we want to profit. We just want to make it easily available because we think the image is hilarious. But yes, Trump revenge. CNN. Donald Trump is conjuring his most foreboding vision yet of a possible second term, telling supporters in language resonant of the run up to the January 6th mob attack on the U.S. Capitol that they need to fight like hell or they will lose their country. I think it's really funny that he said that. or that, I'm sorry that they wrote that because they're not calling it an insurrection anymore. The rhetorical escalation from the four times indicted ex-president came at a rally in South Dakota on Friday night where he accused his possible 2024 opponent, Joe Biden, of ordering his indictment on 91 charges across four criminal cases. I don't think there's ever been a darkness around our nation like there is now. Trump said in a dystopian speech in which he accused Democrats of allowing an invasion of migrants over the southern border ahead of trying to restart COVID hysteria. Let's fact check, baby. Why, here's the New York Times. All right, I got a New York Times story right here. It says, Biden's response to Trump's indictment. Four ways to say no comment. Okay, uh, let's see if we do search. And he also, oh, what's this say? Let's read the first paragraph. When the, when the Biden Justice Department, will, uh, what the Biden Justice Department will do is let the Department of Justice be the Department of Justice, Mr. Biden said. Let them make the judgments of who should be prosecuted. They are not my lawyers. They are not my personal lawyers. But he does have opinions. I am reading you. I want to make sure this is clear. Verbatim from the New York Times. In the past, Mr. Biden privately told his close circle of advisors that Mr. Trump posed a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted for his role in the events of January 6th. According to two people familiar with his comments, he also told confidants that he wanted A.G. Merrick Garland to stop acting like a ponderous judge and take decisive action. That is to say they may be dancing around, dancing around it a little bit, but they are explicitly telling us. Biden said Trump must be prosecuted. Merrick Garland be more decisive. You know what that means when you when your boss tells you that. Merrick Garland is effectively, I'll be, I'll be fair, effectively instructed to indict Donald Trump. Now, now I know many of the charges Trump faces are not federal ones, but he's got the classified documents, federal, and there's the, uh, uh, there, there are, uh, um, 
I think some of the charges at the federal level are uh, uh, over January 6th. And then you have Georgia, which is very egregious. You know, I'll tell you what's worrying. That in Georgia, the grand jury voted to indict Loeffler, Purdue, and Graham, three Republican senators. That's crazy. That's really crazy. Now, I don't know. Um, uh, I, do, I do think Loeffler lost. Uh, I, I, it's been a while since I tracked who is representing out of Georgia, because I know Warnock won. But Lindsey Graham, you want to put Republican senators in prison? They tried. The DA just hasn't made any moves yet. So many people are saying that the, the, the DA is not bringing charges. Well, yet to bring charges. Let's play this video. Benny Johnson tweeted this. Let's play this video. To your predecessor, who is about to launch another campaign. So how do you reassure them if that is the reason for their questioning that the former president will not return, that his political movement, which is still very strong, uh, will not once again take power in the United (laughs) States? Well, um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run. Uh, making sure he, uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. He didn't say we're going to win an election. Joe Biden said we'll use legitimate efforts of the Constitution to make sure he does not take power. What does that mean? We have to demonstrate he will not take power if he does run. They're saying if Trump wins... They will do everything in their power to stop him from becoming president, even if he's elected. Consider what that means. They're indicting Trump over his efforts to overturn the election or whatever, and uh, are expressing their intent to do quite literally the exact same thing. They're trying to file to get him taken off the ballot. Several states have already done so. Joe Biden saying this, there is clear evidence of an effort by the sitting president to subvert the Constitution and this country. That's why he said, under the legitimate efforts of the Constitution, because he knows what he's saying defies it. Adding that caveat changes nothing. And this is where we are. I'm not sure Joe Biden will be president, but what's it going to be, Kamala Harris? Things are getting interesting, to say the least, but it is a curse, they say. May you live in interesting times is not intended to be a nice thing to say. But my friends, it's always interesting times. You know, we may have been born in this golden age, most of us, not all of us, where we had the 90s. And there there was conflict and there was crisis, but it was a lot more chill because the Soviet Union was collapsing, had collapsed. But for a lot of people, our parents, they grew up during the Cold War. The fear of nuclear bombs dropping, the Cuban Missile Crisis, come on. The world is always in some kind of crisis. There's always some kind of conflict. The question is, what will be ours, our great challenge? So, of course, it's happening because there's always something happening. You know, I don't I don't know how it plays out. I can only tell you that Joe Biden seems to be stepping back and and him not going to the 9-11 memorial was was, you know, surprising and unsurprising at the same time. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. I'm sure for most of you. Not a day goes by where you don't see some video of a smash and grab, a raid by a group of masked criminals storming into a store, stealing whatever they want. There was one again. It was another Nordstrom. It just keeps happening. It's getting worse. 
Now we have this protest happening because a woman and her accomplices were stealing from a liquor store, tried to flee. When the police tried to stop her, she tried to kill the police officer. So he shot her. She died. It's a horrifying story. But all of this contributes to what's happening now. In response to this woman's attempted murder on the life of a police officer, protesters have started marching, saying that it was unjust, as if people should be allowed to steal from whoever they want. And then if they get caught, try to kill the cop. Yeah, sorry, the cop had a right to defend himself. And the cop has a duty to stop someone from robbing a store. There's actually three women. We now have this headline from Oregon Live, Nike to permanently close Portland factory store business district says, oh, that's just too bad, Portland. But here's the story. Of course, the official narrative you'll get from the corporate press is we just don't understand why they're doing this. But they actually reported in the story. Nike went to the police and said, we need special detail for the crime that is happening here. And the police said, no, sorry, sir, we can't provide you with special security. So Nike said, we done. And they're shutting down. Here's the report. Nike will close its community store in Northeast Portland permanently. It told the neighborhood business district on Friday. The Seoul District Business Association said in a news release that the community was dealt a major economic blow after Nike finalized its plan to close and vacate the store at 2650 Northeast Martin Luther King Drive Boulevard. Nike confirmed its plans in a statement to the Oregonian and said that the company was reimagining Nike's retail space and considering future locations as part of this community's long-term revitalization plan. Yeah, they're saying everything's going to crap and we're out. The footwear and apparel store had been mostly closed to the public for most of the year, and it had been unclear whether the closure is temporary or permanent. John Washington, executive director of the Seoul Business District Association, said that he had sent a letter to Nike roughly a month ago asking about the status of their store, which at that point had been closed for more than six months. The store closure was starting to impact the small businesses in the area who were telling me that they were getting less and less foot traffic and business was not going well. That prompted me to ask Nike what their intentions were. Let me just pause right there and say I'm not so sure. It's Nike shuts their store down so customers stop showing up. I don't think Nike was the draw for why people would go shopping in an area. To be fair, it does matter. In shopping districts and malls, when one store closes, it does reduce overall foot traffic. Fair point. But I think the real issue is crime is so bad, nobody wants to go there anymore. Washington said he followed up with Nike earlier this week about the store's status. And the sneaker company responded with news of its closure during a Zoom meeting. Word about the store's closing landed like a lead balloon, he said. Why close down a flagship store that has supported Black Portland for over 40 years? It was an economic driver in this area. And we should be looking at the long-term impact of that closure. Here you go, ladies and gentlemen. In February, Nike made a request to Mayor Ted Wheeler and city officials to detail off-duty police officers to provide security at the community store. Wheeler's office, however, nixed the request for police attendance. Mayor Ted Wheeler said in a statement Friday that he was very disappointed with the news of the Nike community store's closure and said his team and city staff have worked tirelessly and in good faith with Nike for almost a year to offer creative solutions to their safety challenges. Oh, let's just let's just give a round of applause to Portland. Safety challenges. Is that what you call violent crime? I love it. 
Ultimately, the city cannot offer Nike or any other private business with dedicated off-duty Portland police officers due to a staffing shortage. This community store had been a staple in its Portland neighborhood since it opened in 1984. Portland civil rights and education activist Ron Herndon and the Black United Front worked with Nike in the 80s to bring the brand's first ever factory store on Martin Luther King Drive Boulevard. Herndon said all the store not only said all the store not only hired workers from the neighborhood, but also invested all the profits from sales into their black community, into Portland's black community. Obviously, I was disappointed to hear that this wasn't going to be able to reopen the store, that they that they wasn't going to be able to open the store. I'm sorry, it was a grammatical, so that they weren't, I think you meant to say. I think this is a failure of leadership at City Hall. I just believe folks at City Hall don't have the skill or creativity to address major issues that impact not only the black community, but all of Portland. Safety. What, 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 safety challenges. <laughs> safety challenges. Oh, man. Well, you know, that's it. That That's it. The sneaker giant added that was providing employees the store with options to continue to be a part of the Nike family. Yeah, well, here you go. From the Daily Mail, the small towns in America that are disbanding their police forces amid staffing crisis and blaming drop in morale after pandemic and George Floyd protests. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the thread from Andy No. He says, new surveillance video of Takia Young in the moments before her death in the Columbus, Ohio area have been released. They show the pregnant woman with a long braided weave, stealing liquor before leaving with two female accomplices. I certainly hope she wasn't drinking the liquor while pregnant, but that's neither here nor there. Hundreds of BLM protesters gathered for a demonstration in Columbus, Ohio, following the death of Takia Young, Takia, a pregnant alcohol theft suspect, suspect who was shot after driving into an officer to escape. Young was, here's a quote, <clears throat> in April 2021, Takia Young was arrested on suspicion of speeding and driving high on drugs. She allegedly ignored commands to exit the vehicle and said she hated white people when she was arrested. Quote, Young was secured in the back of my patrol car and began yelling that she had done nothing wrong and that she hated white people. Well, OK, there's video um, right here. Actually, I, I'm not going to play it on YouTube. Sorry, guys. You can go to Andy Noe's Twitter. Follow Andy Noe on Twitter for more information like this, more news like this. And uh, you can watch the video if you so choose. But I'll tell you. The video shows a woman in her car attempting to murder a police officer. End of story. That's it. I'm not I'm not I'm not playing games. If there is a man standing in front of your car saying don't don't move and you hit the gas, that's attempted murder. And the only reason this cop's alive is probably because he pulled his weapon and he shot her. I wish she did not die. It is a horrifying story, but my friends, the world is imperfect. A a person this woman and her friends were stealing booze from a liquor store and a cop tried to stop her. She tried to kill the cop over a few bottles of liquor. Let me stress this one more time. This woman, over only a couple of bottles of liquor, wanted to murder a police officer. I feel bad for this cop. I feel bad for her. I shouldn't have died. But I'm sorry. It only goes so far. You choose to kill a cop over a couple bottles of liquor. I want to stress that to no end. This woman thought these bottles of liquor were worth killing that cop. It's insane. Just absolutely insane. Dude, let the bottles go. That's so crazy. That's just so crazy, man. You know, 
You see, you hear stories about a dude. Uh, there's one story where a guy goes into a bank and he holds up the bank for a dollar. And then he patiently sits and waits down for the police who arrest him. And it was because he had cancer and he couldn't get the treatment. But he knew that if he went to prison, they would be forced to treat him. It's like a horrifying story like that. He didn't try killing anybody, but he created a very serious risk out of desperation. You hear stories like that. And you're like, man, you hear stories of people stealing because they're hungry. You hear stories of people stealing because, well, they want money. But how much, how much is it? What is it worth for you to try and kill someone? That's the craziest thing here. I'm going to say it for the fifth time. I think fourth. This woman thought the couple bottles of booze that she stole was worth more than the life of a police officer. She was willing to murder a police officer for a couple bottles of booze. Just crazy, man. It's just crazy. But criminals exist. And some people are depraved and some people are merciless and some people are ruthless. And this woman, I see it. I see a depraved, merciless killer. But she died and she was pregnant and they blame the victim. The police officer is the victim. The store, the victim. You have this woman and her friends victimizing locals in the community and then trying to murder a police officer and the protesters march for them. So when I hear that uh, Nike is, just, is having safety challenges, as the Democrat government explains, I'm like, oh, OK, blame the victim. Nike, who I'm not a fan of, fleeing because of threats to their safety are, are blamed. But you're hurting the economy by doing this. Why would you do it, bro? You know, I'm not going to stand here and help you when, when, when you are allowing this crime and this violence. These people protest for this. How sick and depraved is that? That this woman was willing to murder a cop over a couple bottles of booze. And we're lucky he survived. Watch the video. He's, he's, he's standing in front of the car saying, out of the vehicle now, because she stole. And he should do that. It's his duty to protect the victims she robbed. And she hits the gas and he immediately fires on her. I wish he didn't have to. I wish he could have jumped out of the way. I wish he could have rolled on the hood and been fine. But it is never the victim's fault when they defend themselves. Sorry. When you choose to commit murder, people have a right to protect themselves. These people are gross. But you get it. You understand why it's happening. And we'll see. I saw a story. Now they're saying that they're going to bring uh, facial recognition to supermarkets. Yeah, this is why. Mass looting. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So uh, a bunch of communists got together and burned American flags at a Jason Aldean concert and said, we did that in a small town. And well, well, they're not because Chicago is not a small town. They did do this in a small town. I think it's funny that this song was so popular. I got no beef on Jason Aldean or the song. But, yo, I just want to point out this stuff does happen in small towns. You just don't hear about it. And this idea that, like, there are these tough guys who are like, yeah, you're not going to come into my neighborhood. No, no, no. OK, look, look, look. I agree with the general idea. I'm not trying to rag on it because it is mostly true. I'm just saying, like, you know, you want to you want to be more humble. I guess what I'm trying to say. You go around saying stuff like try that one in a small town and they will try to do it in a small town. Right. When you're being attacked, 
you don't you like you. I guess my my view is you don't want to come into the situation where you brag about something because maybe maybe, you know, this is why we knock on wood. That's that's what I'm trying to say. You say don't don't try that or try that one in a small town. Knock on wood because you don't actually want them to do it. You don't want them to start targeting your areas. Let them wreak havoc where they live, where people don't want cops around. Now, to be fair, in most small towns, you're not getting away with this. And I talk about it quite a bit. You bring that stuff up to the mountain where I'm at and a bunch of right wing nut jobs are going to come out and uh, it's not going to go well. And I say that as a term of endearment because they literally call themselves right wing nut jobs as a joke. And if these far left, whatever, and communists showed up, and for the most part, you'll be left alone. But if you start acting out, burning, smashing, looting, whatever, it's not going to go well. But the reality is these people are trying to do this in small towns. Shocking moment. Communist revolutionaries burn American flags outside Jason Aldean's Chicago concert while mocking his song. They say, guess what, Jason Aldean? One of the activists told the Chicago Tribune, we will try that in a small town. We will try that in a big city. And we will try it right in front of your concert. But I just want, I just want to point out, nobody cares if you do it in Chicago because they voted for it. I mean, obviously, there are some people in Chicago who don't like it, but too bad. It's a city you live in. It's what you, you get what you vote for. Now, look, my friends, I know that there's an argument to be made for saving your cities. But I got, I got to point out, I can respect it when people are like, I can't leave. My family's here and I can't leave them. I get it. But I just want to do the fire analogy again. If your building's on fire, if like a fire starts in your kitchen, I will not fault you for running to grab the fire extinguisher and running back in. If the fire grows and now it's like a large fire in your kitchen, I will not fault you if you get your garden hose and try to put the fire out. At a certain point, however, when the fire spreads, I would be surprised if you were like, I am staying here. I'd be like, uh, dude, you, you got to leave. I don't know what that point is. Okay. But firefighters, there's a few, there are reasons to go inside a burning building, saving lives. I get that. And then typically you want to fight the fire from outside. So I don't know exactly what the solution is, right? I know it's not, it's not fair to just compare cities to fires, not the same thing or crime to fires or whatever. But when someone says to me, you know, like I'm divorced and my kids are here and I can't leave, so I can't, I'm going to stay. I'm like, that I get, you know, you like, that would be like a burning building. And there's a fire in your kitchen and you're like, my kids are in here, but I'm out. I, I totally understand someone running into a burning building to save their, their family members or even their pets and their pets. I totally get that. I totally get that. They say about 20 people gathered outside of Credit Union One Amphitheater in Tinley Park as part of a protest led by Revolution Club Chicago, a far left group that calls for a revolution against capital- capitalism. I think this is, this is probably related to Revcom. Their shirts look very much the same. It's the revolution. Yeah, Revcom's right there. Come on the revolutionary communist party, they, they wear like jack boots and they march. And it's, it's really the cringiest and funniest thing you'll ever see to protest. They show up with like 15 people to like every protest ever. And they're all wearing revolutionary communist stuff. And then they'll start marching left, right, left. And then you're like watching them do, do. And it's like some 20 year old white dude. And there's just like, a, 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 I think the organization uh, there's a lot of black people involved in it. I, I I don't know if it's particular to this this group, but I think there is a huge racial component to it. Not completely, but you'll see a lot of like young white college age, you know, people that are scrawny and weak doing the little marching thing. And it's it's really cringe. But uh, they say 
The protest's aim is to raise awareness of the Revolutionary Communist Party, an organization which advocates for a Marxist revolution in America, characterizing the USA as the belly of the beast. Ah, that's really funny. One, two, three, four, slavery, genocide, and war. Five, six, seven, eight, America was never great, they chanted. Uh huh. A dozen police officers urged the group to move on, and one cop had to use a fire extinguisher to put out one of the burning flags. <laughs> it's so cringy, dude. It's such cringe watching these, these people do this. But uh, I have a funny story for you guys about Revcom and, and, and how they operate and how it works. I was in New York during a protest. And there was an organization that showed up called like Refuse Fascism or something. Refuse Fascism was just some like branding of Revcom. I assumed everybody knew it because they had the same signs and flags and the people from Revcom were holding them up. But I see a bunch of people show up to this anti-fascist rally. And this was like just before Donald Trump got elected, I think. It might have been actually it might have been during Donald Trump uh, after he got elected. And I see these people protesting and I'm there filming. I have my GoPro on the gimbal. Really, really cool way to film. And uh, now everyone just uses their phones on a gimbal. But I'm, I'm talking to people. And then I see this one woman who is like, you know, protesting or whatever. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I ask you some questions? She's like, sure. What's up? And I was like, do you want to just explain what you're doing here? Like, what's the protest about? And she says, we're here to, you know, protest fascism, blah, blah, blah. And then I asked her, and I said, is this in support of communism or are you are you, are are you with the Communist Party? And she went, "Who are you with? Are you Fox News?" And I was like, "No." And she was like, "Why? That's a fake question. You're tricking me," and, or something like this. And I was like, "I was like, refuse fascism is was started by the Revolutionary Communist Party. I'm not saying you're a communist. I'm asking you if you are here with them or not." And then she was like, "This is Fox News. I'm out of here. This is Fox News." And I was like, "What? What just happened? <laughs> like, you show up." to protest with the Revolutionary Communist Party lady. And I come and ask you about it and you freak out. That is the cult. That is the brainwashing that we see at these events. These people don't read. They don't know. They don't pay attention. Man, and it's sad, really. But we have a plan. We have a plan. I don't know if we can actually pull it off, but the idea is out there. And uh, maybe I just need to find some more rich people who can help me out. But come on, guys. Come on, man. You know, I often talk about capitalism. We love capitalism. Where are the rich people to win the culture war and defend your very way of life? Because right now, it's my understanding that a giant statue of Lenin is for sale in Seattle, 16 feet tall on private property. And I guess they wanted like $250,000 for it. And uh, nobody's ever bought it. And I'm sitting here, I'm hanging out with the boys. You know, we're on Tim Cast IRL. And I said, we should buy this thing and desecrate it. And Phil Labonte here is so laughing, saying like, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. And so what everyone really likes, the idea is that we topple it and then build a chicken coop over it, half buried or something. So the chickens roost above it and crap all over it. And it's just drenched in, in, in chicken feces. <laughs> but like it costs 300 grand. And that's if they're still even selling it. But my question is like, where are the ultra rich to just do this stuff? So it's like, Okay, technically, we here at Timcast could buy it for that price, but it would hurt really bad. It's like we, 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 we're not that well off, but I know, I know that there are people out there who are, who are making like 50 million a year. And it's like, bro, come on, just, just drop a dime on that, on that statue. Pick it up. Let's knock it over. You know, and then there's like the idea we could crowdfund buying the statue of Lenin and then desecrate it. And it's like, yeah, but I, I don't like the idea of, 
having other people give money towards something that somebody would own like that, right? It's kind of, it's, 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 it's fairly communistic. No, but the idea that like I would launch a, a fundraiser and then be like, everyone pitch in so that we can buy the statue. And then I own a statue worth 300 grand. It's like, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't want people just give me money for that. I mean, I guess I, I guess it makes sense. You know, when you're a member at TimCast, you're just supporting our work directly. Go to TimCast.com, click join us. The money you give is going exactly things like this. You know what I mean? So maybe I should do it. People have been messaging me nonstop, begging me to do it. Like, please. I was like, maybe we do a fundraiser and we, uh, but, but the statue was gifted to the victims of communist, communism memorial. I don't know if they would want to be as crass and crude as we are, because I would want to like really desecrate this thing. Just like just really, really desecrate it. Um, I don't know what they would want to do it if they would want it at all. They might say, no, thank you. But, um, I'm, you know, maybe we do it. Maybe we should. Um, I, I at least got to reach out to see who owns it and see if they're willing to sell it. It's also then transport. So I think we're, we're looking at some serious costs here. It's like 300 grand for the statue. And then how much do you think it's going to cost to ship a statue that weighs several tons of bronze or something? It's 16 feet tall. It's huge. That's going to be a hefty transport. And then what do we do with it? I was thinking like, you know, bring it to a range or something and then people can shoot at it as long as it's done properly and safely, I'm saying. But uh, maybe we put, it, we put it in the chicken coop. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe I should explore that. The other thing we're working on that I really, really, really want to do is an anti-Times Square in Martinsburg, West Virginia. So we're going to be talking with Chef Andrew Gruel about a Cousin T's Diner, a Papa Jack's Pizza Shack. We got Casperu Coffee House. And the idea is that we just, we, we create this uh, uh, parallel economic communal space. And I think that will be, that will generate a lot of tourism. It will bolster the parallel economy and it allow us to say no to ESG. So we got plans to fight back against these communists. And you know what? They can stand in front of buildings and burn all their little flags or whatever. That's fine. I think it's illegal, so I wouldn't recommend it. But they're not going to affect any real change. You know what we're going to do? We're going to buy statues of Lenin and desecrate them, which, well, to be fair, is about as stupid as burning the flag, if you ask me. But uh, meaningful, symbolic, more so than just a flag being burned again. No, but we're going to open businesses, and that matters. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. So this woman is doing the typical young person, I'm going to move to Bali, which is just, I'm I'm not trying to be mean to this young woman. She's been victimized. It's a really sad story. I'm going to play her video for you. But uh, this idea of like, you can just get on a plane and fly to Bali and just do these things. It's really remarkable when you think about how far we've come as as a species. You know, back in the day, hundreds of years ago, people in Europe were like, life here is bad and I want to go somewhere else. Anywhere is better than this. And then someone's like, how would you like to go on a boat where you have a 20% chance of death? You'll be sailing for three months. And if we finally make it to land, there will be literally nothing there. And you'll have to start building from scratch. And uh, after that, many of you will starve to death. Winter will come and oh boy. And they were like, that sounds awesome. And they went for it. Today, it's like this young woman's like, I'm moving to Bali, so I got a plane ticket. But then like someone stole my bag. And it's just like, that shouldn't have happened to you. You know, I'm not ragging on her for, 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 for being the victim. I'm just saying it's like, it's really a testament to where we are. The problem we face is I was trying to travel halfway across the world in a couple of days to live in an island paradise. I'm, I'm half kidding. But it's like, then I got robbed and now I can't. It's, it's really funny. But let me, let me play the video for you where she breaks this all down. 
Yo, this is San Francisco. This is what you get. Oh, I got to fix the audio. I always do that with the audio, guys. I know. And all I have with me is what I have on and this hat and that like tiny purse with actually nothing in it. My computer, my iPad, my AirPods, my Bose over-the-ear headphones, all of my clothes, my prescriptions, my retainer, my passport, my passport. Legitimately everything I own was taken. So I got here to San Francisco two days ago. I got a rental car, had a long layover before I'm moving on. I was moving to Bali. I had all my stuff, everything to move there with me. Got a rental car, was driving around, parked um, this morning at In-N-Out. I was kind of hungover, went out with my friends last night. Parked to get a burger and fries and went in. I was in there for four minutes just getting takeout, like grabbing something and going. I'm up at the counter literally ordering and someone goes, who has the Jeep outside? I'm like, I do. And they're like, someone's stealing all your stuff. I run out there and this is what I see. Four masked guys with ski masks on grabbed all of my stuff out of the car, smashed the windows, obliterated this rental car that I had and took all of my stuff. And now, because I don't have my passport, I obviously can't leave the country and fly to Bali. And I'm like, what the heck? So now I'm just flying back to Boston. So I did a police report, the whole thing. And now the police officer said that they found one of my suitcases on the side of the highway with clothes, like, strewn all about around it. So stay tuned. My clothes are just, like, flying around on the highway right now. So uh, that passport, that's a lot of money. Those, uh, those passports, an American passport can go, go big. Look, man, I don't think this lady knows at all what's happening around the country. Uh, I was just telling this story earlier in the week because uh, I like to, uh, I like to play poker. If you don't know, I have a lot of fun playing Texas Hold'em, but, uh, it's, it's, it's mostly just hanging out with the boys and having conversation and stuff like that. And there was one dude there, I was talking to him. And uh, he asked me how things are going with the business. And I just mentioned like politically, things are getting crazy. And he was like, oh, I don't pay attention at all to any of that stuff. And I'm just like, one day, so you're like, this is, this is the crazy thing. Yo, this should not have happened to this woman. Okay. Anybody who's paying attention to what's going on in this country knows that San Francisco is this. You park your car, they're waiting, they smash your windows out and they're gone in 30 seconds. Everyone knows. But if you're not paying attention to the news, if you're being drowned by Democrat or corporate media propaganda, you don't know this is happening. And I don't know why they don't tell you, but these smash and grabs keep happening and they're getting crazier and crazier and crazier. You had a CNN crew get robbed. And so what are you going to do? Don't leave your stuff in your car. It's gotten that bad. Now, where I'm at out in West Virginia, uh, we don't have to worry about that. I've never had an issue parking my car anywhere out here and having to worry about anyone smashing anything. And it's actually quite crazy too, because I was up in Maine uh, as well. And uh, recently went to, so that was a couple weeks ago, and I went to the Outer Banks for Labor Day. And it's really amazing what these areas are like when there's low crime. People, and, and you know what it is, it is mostly rich people. And I think it's because, if, if, why, why steal a bike when you're worth a million dollars? But I go to some of these areas, doors are left wide open. Cars are unlocked. Bikes are just laying up against the wall. And I'm like, nobody will take it. But then you look at San Francisco and things get interesting. Despite all of their wealth. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's opportunity. It's, it's, you know, you have this area where you have a lot of rich people and a lot of poor people versus the suburban areas or other places with a lot of rich people. If you go to somewhere like the Outer Banks in North Carolina, 
mostly tourists and the people working the industry. So there's not a whole lot to worry about in terms of getting robbed, to be honest. But you live in San Francisco, you got a ton of rich people and a ton of poor people, and that's your recipe for disaster. Add on top affluent white female liberals and their voting patterns. Sorry, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is predominantly affluent white female liberals who are voting in this direction, but there are about 45% of males who vote in this direction as well. And you end up with policies with, that will get you robbed. I hope this, I hope this young woman hears this. I'm not, I'm not saying here's me. I'm saying here's the news and here's the reasoning behind it. And so we stop with this stuff. Okay. Oh, here you go. NYPD to cut overtime as Big Apple feels budget pinch of migrant crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More, more defund the police. More, uh, more chaos. More crime. More victims. And then it's going to be you. I don't know what you do. I know that the people who watch uh, my videos, 80% dudes. Isn't that crazy? Well, I was, uh, I was talking to Fresh and Fit, if you guys know them. And uh, they were saying that women don't have hobbies. And I'm just like, maybe the women you hang out with, bro. That's the funny thing about Fresh and Fit. And they were like, no, these are like regular women. I'm like, I, I think it's like the women you're picking. But to be fair, I think generally speaking, there's probably something to what they're saying. And the reason for that is I've tracked data for a lot of different industries uh, throughout my day for a variety of reasons. And you tend to find female participation is usually very, very low. And so when they say women don't have hobbies, they mean the plurality or majority of women don't have hobbies. You're more likely to run into a woman who doesn't have a hobby than you are one who does. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. So what he's basically saying is, uh, or what they were saying was that they, they will bring women on the show and they'll be like, so what do you do for fun? And they'll be like, go out. And they'll be like, what do you mean go out? And they're like, I, I go out with my friends. It's like, but to do what? Like, what are you doing? And they're just like, well, I don't know. We like go to a bar or something. Oh, see, guys will be like, I ride my bikes, I drive race cars, like they have hobbies. But this makes sense. Like hobbies are a dude thing. You go to the poker room, you'll find like, dude, 80% guys, for real. You go on YouTube, 80% guys. Matters of external interest, it would seem, are probably like, like object-oriented things. Women do these things too. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying it's a tendency among men. So how do we get women who vote in large numbers to be active participants. And this is, the, this is the big issue that I see across the board. I, I certainly think women should vote. Uh, sorry, I'm not one of those repeal the 19th people. But I think the issue is, if women are not watching the news, then what are they voting on? They're voting on what their friends tell them. That's something that the Republicans need to understand. But I look at the Republican Party as the rigid, like, it, dude, it really does come down to like gender. Republicans have more men. Democrats have more women. It's crazy. You look at, uh, uh, there was a, uh, an article in the Hill. Cons uh, 12th grade boys are skewing conservative. 12th grade girls are skewing uh, liberal. And it's interesting. It's the way in which we communicate. There's a meme that whenever a dude takes a picture of something, it's the object, but a woman will be standing next to it or in front of it. That's really interesting that they do that. Women probably totally understand why they do it, and men totally don't understand at all. It's like, don't you want to see this, these, these sunglasses? Why are you hold like, is it, it's a picture of the sunglasses or a picture of you holding them? Because dudes are object-oriented, and they're focused on externalities, and women are subject-oriented, and they're focused on internalities. So anyway, as for the crime, 
and what this woman experienced. I think it's a product of women are have 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 are, are likely, I'm sorry, are less likely than men to be active participants in uh, uh, politics and news and culture. They of course are. I'm not saying they aren't, but it could be like 51 to 49, and thus you end up with voting patterns among females that make things worse. Or are, are, I, sh- I shouldn't say that their policies are all wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're if you're voting on a policy with incomplete information, it may have an unintended consequence. So like AOC's support of cashless bail, I agree with while recognizing the problems that will arise with it. But there are a lot of people who just agree with some of these policies that result in more crime, defunding the police without looking at the underlying problems. Yo, the problem with cops wasn't they had too much money. It's that they don't have enough money. Cops need to get paid more. There needs to be a real risk to screwing up. Cops need to have their own skin in the game when it comes to uh, um, doing things that are wrong. I completely think so. But we need more money for training, more police divisions. That way, we don't. Some, some countries have like civil guard and police. And the civil guard come out for like two guys are yelling at each other. They don't come with guns. You don't need that. They'll, they'll help uh, traffic control and stuff like this. We just have cops for all of it. Cops are all armed. So I think police need more money. But police also need heavy reform and more accountability. I'm not an anarchist. I'm not a libertarian. Um, I'm not a hardcore libertarian about, you know, abolishing all police. My attitude is I think it's good to have neutral arbiters. I don't think we have that now. I think it can be fixed. That being said, if young women keep voting Democrat, it's what you get. Now, to be fair, for all I know, this lady, she's she's from Boston, probably a Democrat, maybe Republican. I don't know. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.